0: Section 6 of The Black Cat, Volume 2, Number 5, February 1897. This is a LibreVox recording. All LibreVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibreVox.org. Read by Julie Burks. The Black Cat, Volume 2, Number 5, February 1897. Section 6 Regina by Grace Frances Bird. There came to Harvard University in the early sixties a little Japanese lad, Nagoya by name, and a droll addition he was to the student body of that institution's less cosmopolitan days. Still, the contrast was by no means to the disadvantage of the young Japanese. Though of rather short stature, his lithe, graceful body was in perfect proportion while his wonderful exploits in the gymnasium continually astounded those who mistook his delicate appearance for an index of his physique his queer olive face merry little eyes and comically melancholy mouth proved all the more fascinating because of their unlikeness to the more sternly cut features of his classmates while through its contrast to the harsher new england accent his soft gentle voice with its quaint intonations, gained a piquant charm, whether heard in conversation or recitation. Being, besides, bright, jovial, and affectionate, Nagoya at once became a great favorite with the students, while his frankness, integrity, and persistent application soon won the favor of the most stony-hearted professors. Indeed, popular as he was among the students, it was soon noted with some surprise that Nagoya chiefly sought the companionship of older men. In this, however, the little Japanese was simply following out his instructions, for he had come to Harvard in accordance with the long-established custom of the Japanese government, which sends at frequent intervals to the educational institutions of other countries, youth selected from the flower of the nobility, that thus the nation may benefit by its rivals' important discoveries and inventive devices his especial friend and confidant was professor bernardini instructor in the scientific department the two were constantly together whether experimenting in the laboratory reading in the library or botanizing in long rambles into the country indeed within a short time such a strong attachment had sprung up between them that the professor proposed to receive nagoya into his home as a member of the family during the remainder of his college days—an offer that Nagoya gratefully accepted, no less because of the delightful home life thus opened to him than because of the opportunity for close association with the people whose manners and customs he was studying. And for this purpose the Japanese lad could not have found a better household. The family was not large—it consisted only of the professor, his gentle American wife, and three children who, being not far from Nagoya's age, proved especially agreeable companions. Of these, the two elder were boys, Nagoya's classmates, bright, honest fellows, full of healthy animation and enthusiasm. The third was a sweet little maid of twelve, Regina, the baby of the family, a roguish little tyrant with great black eyes, very long curls, and very short skirts altogether regina was an absolute autocrat and lived her name by ruling the members of her household with a despotism that amazed the young japanese accustomed to the submissive women of the orient for four years nagoya remained in the happy american home becoming with each day more and more attached to his foster relatives he was as a matter of course a devoted admirer of the professor and his wife and the constant companion of the boys while regina well nagoya had long since ceased to wonder at the homage tendered the little queen by her devoted subjects in fact despite the lack of years on both sides the young japanese had fallen deeply in love with little regina bernardini coming as he did from a land where children were wedded when barely in their teens Nagoya saw nothing that was not perfectly natural in this youthful attachment, and cherished fond dreams of the bright future when he should sail with his dear one to the land of the rising sun. Meantime, the Bernardinis had never for an instant guessed the young oriental's secret romance. To them, his open caresses and love avowals, his pretty gifts to their little daughter, seemed only the tokens of one child's grateful affection for another, so that when, a few weeks previous to his departure, Nagoya laid before the professor the pathetic little tale of his love and hopes that individual was as much taken aback as though a bomb had been exploded at his feet. Of course the proposal was not to be considered. Very gently the professor explained to his young comrade the situation as viewed by American eyes dwelling upon Regina's youth and innocence, and her unsuspecting affection for him, which could never attain greater depth. The young Oriental bore the news quietly, but from that time his spirits drooped. His elastic step grew languid, his joyous laughter silent, until finally his friends feared lest some breakdown should follow this seeming apathy. But they had underestimated the strength of Nagoya's character, During the few remaining days of his stay, he pursued his customary duties with dogged determination. Only now his slow, mechanical movements were never relieved by the enthusiasm once so characteristic of the lad, nor was his dreamy, gentle voice ever raised in merry banter or laughing repartee. On the day of his departure Nagoya was walking, as was his wont, in the little garden behind the house. A sudden turn in the path disclosed Regina, swaying idly in a hammock. She wore a dress of fleecy whiteness. A dainty cap rested on her shining black curls. Her dark eyes gazed dreamily up through the branches, to the blue of the summer sky. As Nagoya approached, she turned, looked at him half regretfully, half eagerly. "'Don't rise,' said the lad gently i have come for one last word a farewell soon nagoya leaves you ah my land of the rising sun will be the land of the setting sun without you my regina one token i leave you the seed of our royal flower the chrysanthemum tell no one i gave it for it is of chrysanthemums the queen and he who gives the seed to a foreigner is under death penalty give it to your dear name regina queen As its flowers bud and blossom remember, so will Nagoya's love for you bloom, growing, growing forever. And now farewell, my Regina, my queen. Placing the packet in her hand, he turned away. That night he left America, never to return. When the next year the seeds were planted and a gorgeous pink flower reared its head into the sunlight, Regina gave it her name, soon the regina chrysanthemum the most beautiful ever known to the horticultural world was the wonder of the season visitors came from great distances to see the lovely blossoms but regina never forgot the secret significance of the flowers as they budded and blossomed and thinking of the japanese boy's pathetic farewell would whisper with a sigh poor nagoya seven years later regina married but in her new happiness she did not forget her old friend when she changed her reign from her father's home to her husband's she would have no other name for her new home than chrysanthemum lodge one of the first stories that she told her little son john ambrose was of the young japanese who had played with her when she was a little girl and no storybook fairyland pleased him half so well as his mother's descriptions of nagoya's home that queer delightful fantastic country on the other side of the world it was a day early during the recent war between japan and china in his private office the japanese Sagoon, or minister of war sat closeted with an official who was the bearer of a petition for pardon from a prisoner lately condemned to death the offender was a united states naval cadet accused of secretly aiding the chinese forces and appealing now to the siogun as the one person whose intercession could save his life already however the impassive featured minister of war had practically dismissed the case when as a matter of form he tore open the envelope sent him by the prisoner a sudden spasm of pain crossed the siogun's face as from the inner wrappings of soft tissue paper there fell a faded photograph of a lovely little girl and a few scattering chrysanthemum seeds very reverently and all unmindful of the astonishment of the official the great man bent and pressed the little card to his lips then as he read upon the back the words in which regina introduced her son to her old friend and playmate he turned to his visitor yarmato draw up an order for the immediate release of john ambrose an american prisoner sentenced to death on a charge of having given aid to the chinese see that it is put into effect at once and that the prisoner is brought to me five minutes later nagoya turned to his work wearing the same austere mask as before five hours later he was reading with perfectly controlled features the cabled message of heartfelt gratitude from john ambrose's mother at last relieved from the awful suspense of her son's long silence while john ambrose himself stood by his ardent thankfulness shining in the dark eyes so like regina's but neither john ambrose nor regina herself will ever guess that for many days the picture and a packet of chrysanthemum seeds lay close to the great man's heart, the patient heart in which, as the boy Nagoya had foretold, his love for Regina had bloomed, growing, growing forever. And so it was that the tiny seeds sown so many years before in an American garden bore their perfect flower in the land of the rising sun. End Section 6 End of The Black Cat, Volume 2, Number 5, February 1897.